This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 466. And the quote of the day is, Do not spoil what you have by desiring what you have not. Remember that what you have now was once among the things you only hoped for. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming. And beyond, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. Hey, oh boys and girls, Nick Ruffini here. I hope you are well. And for those of you I got to see at Nam or got to meet at Nam, thank you so much for for coming to the to the Dream Hang. And I always love meeting people. So also, if you're in LA or you're planning on being in LA, hit me up. Would love to get together, connect, grab some coffee, whatever the case may be. And yeah, it was a great weekend and I'm glad that I'm back and uh, making more podcasts. So here we go. Uh, This episode is free because of our friends at Dream Symbols and not only do they make amazing symbols, they are amazing people themselves and you should definitely check out their symbols. They are priced well below the competitors. They sound great. And yeah, you should definitely do it. Plus, you can trade in your old cracked, broken symbols. And for each inch of symbol that you turn in, you can get a dollar off towards your next dream symbol or gong at participating retailers. Two 20 inch symbols, that's 40 bucks off of your new dream symbol or gong. So check them out. Go over to dreamsymbols.com. Now, this is this is an interesting conversation. This is with Jose Medellis, and this is a conversation that I've been wanting to have for a while. He wrote a book called The Stoic Drummer. And for those of you who don't know what stoicism is, we get into that. We get into um, the, all of that. And Jose explains it a lot more eloquently than I can. And he's also a professional drummer and has been for a long time. Not to mention he also owns Revival Drum Shop. And the man has accomplished a lot. And I love his perspective on life on creativity, on dealing with personal things. And both of us actually get into some some really personal topics here, and I talk about some things that I've never talked about on the podcast before. So just a really, really great conversation. So one, I recommend if you're ever in Portland, go to Revival Drum Shop. Two, check out his book, The Stoic Drummer. And three, listen to the things that he says in this episode and maybe check out some of the other books that he recommends as well. But you are in for a treat and we go deep down the rabbit hole of stoicism, life and life lessons. And I think that you're going to enjoy it. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get into it with Jose Medellis. Jose, how are you, my man? I'm doing very well. How about yourself? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We were uh, we were just talking off air. Had a nice little productive morning. You're you're sitting down with some uh, with some tea. What kind of tea you got in that cup? Uh, detox. Detox. What kind? Yeah. Is it just a detox tea? Like uh, like that's the name of it? Yeah, yeah. It kind of has a peppermint vibe to it. I dig so. it. I've been drinking dandelion tea a lot lately. Ooh, that does sound good. It's good, man. It sounds weird, but it's uh, I don't know if you've ever had it or not, but. Dandelion tea. Put a little, put a little lemon in there. Maybe some honey if you dig that. I don't dig honey, but, uh, but yeah, it's good. Oh, that yeah, sounds get, great. Yeah, I gotta get off the, I gotta get off the, you know, eight cups of coffee a day. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of coffee. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't good. drink that. I don't drink that much, but, but I could definitely, definitely try. I'll try some of that dandelion tea. There you go. I'll, I'll uh, shoot me your address and I'll, I'll send you a box. <laughs> Thank you. Um, sure. Um, so I, we, there's a lot, of, a lot to talk about. You and I were, were sort of talking off air where like even the five minutes we were talking, we could open up and you know, we could probably go for hours. I want to I talk a little bit about your back. Like you have so many different facets to your career. I mean, you're a drummer, performer. You've, you've played with a, a slew of, of really great artists. Uh, you're an accomplished solo artist in your own right. You own a drum shop. You've written a book. Um, so how did how did this all start for you? How did you like let's just let's just start in the beginning. Like how did you get into playing? Um around seven or eight I started playing drums and it was just something that I could do relatively well and I actually got some attention, you know, from uh people that said, Oh man, you're a really good drummer or oh that's cool, you can 
play a beat. So I was getting validation outside of the house because I wasn't getting much validation in the household. So mm-hmm. I think I've been on that path since then. So, um, yeah, so I love drumming. It, it's always been there for me and I became obsessed with it at an early age. And that's kind of how it started. When you were saying that you weren't getting validation, were you saying in general or like from your drum playing? Um, validation from my mom, from my dad, you know, I was getting mm-hmm. this, this, uh, attention, uh, outside of the house, which f- felt really great. I got um, you. So yeah, that's, I think that's part of the, my core and that's kind of in my DNA of, of how it started. If you want to be truthful. So, mm-hmm. so sort of looking for some external validation. <laughs> totally. Right. <laughs> so yeah, man. So it just kind of worked out that way. And yeah. I would go and, you know, win, you know, percussion awards and I would get stars from my drum teacher and, you know what I mean? So, and that wasn't happening on the sports end. Right. I would take baseball right. and football. So it just came from music. Mm-hmm. So at I, an early age, I found out that I would always have a friend in music and it would always be there kind of no matter what. And obviously drumming. Right. Do you think that it's, it's a weird thing that I always struggle with because I think outside validation is good to a certain extent, right? And then too much external too when you start relying on external validation, I think it starts to, to go the opposite way and you sort of get diminishing returns and then it can start to be a bad thing. Would you agree with that? I would. Yeah. There's definitely a tipping point to it. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I think just kind of, um, keeping an eye on that is, is pretty crucial. Sure. So talk about building. So you start building your career up. And so as you, as you start progressing, you start playing with more and more artists. Are you looking at it like, this is what I'm going to do. This is going to be a career. Or was it something that sort of just naturally progressed and you were sort of like, oh, I guess I can do this. Like, were you, were you doing it? Uh, were you just playing drums? Were you, was there other stuff going on in your life? Yeah. Everything that I did was to play drums. And in order to play drums, I would work at a thrift store so I could go on tour and make no money and come back home. But I was playing drums. So, um, you know, I made a conscious decision early on that this was my only outlet to um, truly escape, not just, you know, uh, psychologically, but, you know, physically and where you could really... Um, uh, travel and get out there and, and it, and it worked. I was, like I said, I was obsessed with becoming a drummer and that, that was the tip of the spear for so many of my decisions, you know, through my early life. Mm-hmm. And I just kept barreling through, um, all the obstacles. And every time I wanted to stop playing and just get a regular job, I would just power through that or something would happen. So yeah, this is, it was really all that I wanted to do. And, and with that, you know, came a lot of sacrifice, of course, you know, Mm -hmm. the steady income, the, um, relationships, the, but it to me was all worth it at the time, you know, cause I'm early twenties. This is all I've ever done was play drums. And it was a very, uh, it, it was very easy for me to develop that habit of, well, this is what you do. You know, you do whatever it takes to play the drums. Um, mm-hmm. And and that's exactly what I did. So I was dedicated to the art of drumming at an early age. And I had that that drive and that passion. And that's when I started, you know, getting auditions and, you know, getting some of the gigs, not getting some of the gigs and all of those trials. So all of that just led me up to ended up getting some really cool gigs. So mm-hmm. it's interesting when you're telling this story that I sort of what I hear from the outside is that although the goal was to continue, you know, to always be playing drums, to continuing to continue to progress and all of those things, it was I guess what I'm hearing, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it seems like you you 
drums were sort of the avenue for something else where you were like, I wanted to do these things. I needed some sort of escapism. I wanted to, you know, I needed it psychologically. I wanted to get out there and travel. And the way that I could do that was play drums. Therefore, drums become the most important thing. And I'm willing to sacrifice anything to play the drums. It was sort of like, to me, it seems like the the personal stuff came first and drums was the way that got the thing that got you there. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, yeah. But at the time, you know, you're not thinking that way. It was just like, hey, I, I want to play drums. And right. and also, too, um, the way I had set my life, it, my options were pretty limited. You know, I didn't go to college. I wasn't that great of a student in high school. So, you know, I was putting a lot of pressure on myself and and drumming as being the, the vehicle, you know, mm-hmm. that would be. And I feel fortunate that a lot of it has panned out. Like some of my best friends that I have, I met through music. I met my wife through music. I travel the world because of music. I felt validation because of music. I, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. so it actually, it actually worked, and uh, which is great. <laughs> um, I feel, I feel fortunate. You know that uh, that holy cow. You know we could be, I we could not be having this conversation, but um, um, but. What's cool is that, um, you know, most of my decisions that I made was because of uh, the love of drumming and the love of uh, wanting to, to, you know, tour the world and play with some really great artists. And I'm not going to, like, act like that wasn't a part of it, you know, because mm-hmm. especially growing up, you know, that um, uh, I love that I knew that it could happen, you know, so. Right. Um, I'm glad that I had the tenacity, you know, to go, to get through it, all the hard stuff. So, but yeah, that's, that's kind of, that's, I'm sorry about the long, long answer. And I wish that's it what was we're here for. Steady. This is, this is a long form podcast, my man. Cool. You have, you have as much rope as, as you need. Uh, yeah. so how, how important do you think it is that people actually go in 100% all in sort of like no backup plan or do you think that it was a different time than than it is now do you think that maybe that's not the best case scenario now well that's that is a tricky question so what i'll do is i'll i'll answer one part is that i think you need to be all in i i do believe that um kind of like if a friend of mine would say hey i'm starting a t-shirt company, I would say, well, you better love everything about t-shirts, you know, the mm-hmm. stitching, what they're made of. Cause I think that's what gets you through all the tough stuff, you know, right. or, um, things that you feel like may hold you back that will get you over the obstacles is that, um, that obsession. And, and the only way that I can say this is because everything that I've done that has actually meant anything, I have felt that obsession. And we can just kind of go through the list of starting with drumming, you know, starting with or you know being dedicated to my wife for 17 years, um, you know, starting a drum shop, writing a book. Like if if there was any type of um, you know, not coming from truth in any of those, I don't think any of them would be as successful as they are. Um, so I, I believe that you, you need to have that. And I don't know what it's like nowadays. Um, but you know, I love the, when I was younger, like I was, you know, ignorance is bliss. Cause I was just mm-hmm. like, well, this is how it is. You know, I, yeah. you know, I live out of a storage unit and jump from tour to tour. You know, it's like, you know what I mean? It's just like, wow, this is how it is until, you know, maybe I'll get a cool gig eventually. But I think, um, I think you have to do, yeah, you have to, you have to be like crazy, uh, focused. And I, and the thing is too, is like, if you stay focused, then you won't be so, uh, led down the the other avenues of distraction because if I loved we'll say drugs more than drumming then I would 
I wouldn't have pursued drumming and been successful, you know, as a drummer if I thought drugs were more important. When I say right. more important, meaning I'd rather party than get up in the morning and go practice. So I'd rather spend money on drugs than on drum gear or lessons or, you know what I'm saying? So sure. I think um, it your your dedication, you know, allows you to um, deflect dis- distractions. So yes, I think you need to be unbelievably over the top dedicated to your drumming, to starting a business, to writing a book, to being a father and husband. I think you need to, yeah, go 1000%. And I think there's a misconception that people think that if they do what they love for a living, then they're going to love 100% of it all the time, mm. you know? And it's like, that is not the case. There is there oh, are tons of things that, that I know that you do every single day, especially with the drum shop and invoicing and, and, and inventory and staffing and scheduling and all kinds of stuff that you don't feel like doing and taxes and insurance and all that stuff. Like, that's not... It's not what you signed up for, right? You're like, I want to run a drum shop. And again, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, you know, I've run restaurants before with my family. So I understand all the ancillary stuff that goes along with running a business like a brick and mortar. And it's like, I, man, I just want to sell drums. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Right. (laughs) Yeah. There's definitely some truth in there. Um, I, you know, I was, you know, fiercely dedicated to revival um and was there you know not just physically but mentally there all of the time for easily the first seven years of the shop Mm -hmm. and when we talk about sacrifice and being you know uh you know dedicated to something that's uh you know that's definitely a good example you know and what's nice is that eventually i figured out what i didn't like to do at the shop, such as invoicing and bookkeeping and all of that. And I've been able to, you know, uh, delegate that and, and let other people do that. And I've s- essentially designed my business life to just focus on what I truly want to do, which is, um, you know, developing products for revival, coming up with a t-shirt design, uh, you know, things like that, things that mm-hmm. actually really, um, uh, you know, produces joy and things that I get excited about at four in the morning, you know, right. going, oh my God, I can't wait to send this email out because you're right. I went through all of that where I'm going, oh man, this is ha- this has to change or I'm not going to make it. And luckily right. I have an amazing uh, team around me with, you know, my wife, Allison, she essentially business manages all of our accounts and you know, Jake, my manager is amazing and Carrie. So if I didn't have a team like that around me that I trusted so much, um, I don't know where I would be mentally. I think I wouldn't have the bandwidth to, uh, be such a, you know, focused father and husband and have time to write a book and be a good friend. And so I really worked hard on designing where, you know, the business side, of stuff wouldn't completely take over it's because it's so personal to me revival you know it's like mm-hmm. a, it is like a girlfriend you know so and i know you know that from working in you know uh the restaurant business and starting your own businesses so uh i appreciate <laughs> mentioning that because <laughs> it's a whole different world and i never went to business school so i feel like a lot of times i was totally white knuckling it and right. uh but I knew where I needed to uh, let go of stuff. And I still work on it till this day, you know, of mm-hmm. like, oh, I need to let go a little more and I need, I shouldn't be micromanaging, you know, everyone so much. So yeah. it's a, you know, it's a, it's a process, man. It's a, it's a practice, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Yep. And a lot of times from, from the outside, you know, they'll, they'll look at you or someone else who's, who's doing something successful and it's like, Oh yeah, easy for you to say you have a manager who handles that for you or you have someone who can do the bookkeeping or something like that. And it's like, yeah, now I do. I didn't <laughs> right. I didn't have that before. I who do you think did all of this stuff? And I talked to so many small business owners uh is you know, inside and outside of the of the drumming community, but you know, where they're like, you know, like my buddy Jason from ProLogic's Percussion is like 
you know, he's out there like sanding, <laughs> sanding uh, pads one day and then he's like taking the trash out and, you know, and that business has been around for a while and they're doing well, but it's just, you gotta, you gotta do all those things and you keep building and keep building, but people only see the finished product, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like a band, you know, we don't know what happens in the tour bus or the van or the rehearsal room. You know, right. I have friends that playing in some incredible successful bands, but it's not um, what you see on you know, on the TV or, you know, in the arena sometimes. So right. uh, you're totally right. And uh, and that's what I, I like about talking to other business owners also is we talk about the trials and how, you know, um, you have to just stay so focused on what's important. And it's and it's parallels life you know uh, having a business or having a drumming career or any type of career um, it's so easy to kind of veer out of control um, and we talked about being obsessed and you know some of the, the the drawbacks of being obsessed is where I would be on vacation with my family on the coast and I would be in the shop mentally you know I'd be mm-hmm. like so that was the biggest thing for me to uh to kind of shake and just kind of be, I don't know, just more, more open to just kind of letting go. And that's what led to my burnout. Like, you know, around year seven, I really, really burnt out. And, uh, so, so it happens, you know what I mean? So you gotta, you just gotta be, you just always gotta be aware because it's it's right around the corner, man. And next thing you know, and how, you know, the only way I could describe it was that, sorry if I'm getting off subject, but it nope. just kind of leads back to, you know, the whole dedicating yourself. I like, I felt like I just kind of, I woke up and the forest was on fire around me. Like, and I'm going, how the hell did I get here? You know what I mean? Like, this is crazy. So, yeah. So I like talking about that stuff too. You know what I mean? It's just like. Right. Well, it's Isn't cool. there like a meme that's that floats around where like the whole place is on fire and he's like, I'm fine. Every, it's okay. Yeah. Everything's fine. Yeah. I wish I said I was fine, but I'm all, holy, <laughs> holy shit. I got to get out of here. This is crazy. <laughs> yeah. But uh, pretty much that's hilarious. But yeah, I, uh, but I think, I think that needs to happen. Uh, at least for me, I should say this is my own trip. I needed it, that to happen for me to really pump the brakes and go, wow, what's, what's going on? You know, right. I, I'm not, I'm not really happy right now. So, so that's, there's a couple of things that I want to ask. One, I, like we'll touch on the business thing. And then two, I want to touch on the burnout thing because I think it's extremely important. And I'm guessing that is some of the stuff that led you down the road of stoicism and things. I could be wrong, but, um, so f- business wise, I know that there are a lot of people who are listening who either, have a small business in the, you know, some sort of drumming business, or they are looking to start something, whether it be a product or maybe a brick and mortar or whatever it is. What's one of the biggest mistakes you think you made early on that looking back, you think, man, that was so stupid. Or, or if I could give someone this wisdom, I, this, this is what it would be. Man, what a great question. My advice or my suggestion would be figure out how to get help, uh, you know, like physical help in the shop that mm. you would, where you're not doing everything. See, I, I think that's really, really crucial. I think I would suggest that. And also don't be so hard on yourself. You know, you're gonna, you're gonna stumble a lot and don't, um, don't, don't take it as a total loss because you're going to have more victories than loss. So mm-hmm. if I could go back, you know, because Revival will be 10 years old, February 1st. If I could go back, oh, thank you. If I could go back and have a conversation about, you know, 2009, February 6th, I'd say, hey, man, everything's going to be so cool. Just fucking keep it together. <laughs> it's right, going to be right. fine. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, that's what I would do because, um, yeah, I think – and. And you just want to do everything. I mean, I shouldn't say say it that way, but I, I think a lot of people that start businesses, you know, they 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 feel like they have to do everything. And I'd say right. I would tell them get in the get in people that where you don't have to do everything, and mm-hmm. it's going to be tough, but just just do that. I think that's right. a good suggestion. Does that I make sense? I think so too. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I I I 
love the fact that you were saying don't be so hard on yourself because that is such a slippery slope because not only do we start being hard on ourselves then we start comparing ourselves to everyone else and we're like these people oh. they have to be smarter than me these guys know more than i do they something like I'm, I'm missing something it's like no they've just failed more times than you have and they mm-hmm. learned and you know they're they're also you know 20 years ahead of you and they've been doing this a lot longer or whatever the case is or you know there's always there's always more to the story than than what we think, and if we start beating ourselves up, that is a that is a slippery slippery slope. Absolutely, for sure. I agree. Cool. And the other question tying into that was you were you were talking about how you started to get burned out, and you you sort of you know the room was on fire, and and you were like, holy shit, I got to get out of here. I'm not happy. <laughs> All of these things. Talk to me a little bit about that. Like, what's the what was the thought process like? Were you were you in a position where you were like, maybe, maybe this isn't for me? Were you thinking like, maybe I should close the place down or like, I need to make some adjustments. I want to keep the place, but I have to make some adjustments. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm giggling because when you, <laughs> when you tell me like what I said back, I sound so dramatic. <laughs> it's hilarious. I'm sorry. I'm like, oh my God, I got to mellow out. I think everything. So I was just picturing you with your hands up, screaming, <laughs> running around. That's <laughs> me too. No. I was like, I'm like, oh, so dramatic. I love it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just no kidding. worries, man. But yeah, so so what happened was um, I was totally feeling burnt out, um, and and that's because I was just. Um, you know, still just holding on to a lot of stuff as far as, you know, the day-to-day stuff. Um, and I had already let go of, you know, kind of the, uh, the accounts and invoicing and all of that at that point. Um, but it was just the, um, uh, the amount of pressure that I was feeling was really, really intense for me. Because you have to realize, like, I, please know that this is the absolute truth, that I started Revival because I wanted to start a, just a cool drum shop and I created a job for myself that I could stay home, be a present dad, be a present husband. I didn't have to go on tour. I could still be tethered to the world and the drumming community that I love so mm-hmm. much. Um, and that's really as far as I saw it happening. I never had like a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, nothing like that. So... At about year, year five, I mean, the shop is just, I mean, just doing fantastic. You know, people are, are really, really loving the shop, um, which is great. And and the year seven, we're still going. And I think after, after being in such the position of having that pressure was a real distraction for me. Um, mm-hmm. now I had employees that actually have, you know, kids and pets. And now I'm like making decisions that what if this is the wrong decision and the shop goes away? Now the, the guys have to go find another job or what if I have to lay somebody off? I mean, those are, those are real concerns. Mm-hmm. Those are real, uh, pressures that I put on myself to not blow it. Um, I didn't want, but they're real pressures. They really are. are. They are real, you know, and thank you. And it was just like, so I was starting to come from the side of things of like worry and scarcity and, Oh my God, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if this doesn't happen? I mean, next thing I know, man, I am in just, you know, just, in a whirlwind and, you know, and you got to realize too. And on top of all this, you know, we are this like, I mean, it's, it's pandemonium at the shop every day. I mean, there's people right. coming in and out and it's like, it's crazy. And it was, <laughs> it was so nuts and it was a beautiful thing, but it was, I, I, I didn't know how to deal with it. The way I describe it was I felt like, um, revival was a kite and, I was holding on to it and the wind was just pulling me in whatever direction um, that the winds were blowing. You know what right. I mean? Like right, right, right. I, I, the, the flip happened when revival was way bigger than me, than the guys. Like it was like a thing and it's really great. I just didn't know how to handle that success, you know, cause I never, 
I, I didn't want it to go away on something that, that I did or didn't do. So um, that was really intense. And then, and that was one thing I was starting to really um, uh, like going, okay, I think I, I just need a vacation. <laughs> I think right. I just need to just kind of chill out a little bit. And then what happened was we, at the shop, we had an internal theft from one of our part-time employees and who was also a friend. And I was devastated. And that was the shot that knocked me out mm. where I was just like, Oh my, what, you know? And, and we don't have to go into it cause, um, I'd rather not, but you know, so to go, how did I fail you as a friend and a boss and not really get an answer? It was extremely devastating to me and no doubt the darkest time at revival. So at that point, I needed to take a break, like, right. uh, like literally remove myself from the shop and kind of figure out what I was going to do. Um, you know, and this is what's amazing about my crew is that uh, Jake and the cop, my manager, who, have, who has been with me for like eight years now, um, he's like, hey, man, you know, just do whatever you need to do. Because if you go down, this whole thing goes down. So you need to take a week, a month, a year, whatever you need to do, you go and do it. And we got your back. So um, that type of support is, I think, unheard of. Because he never thought once. Or if he did, he never let me know. Like, that means I'm going to have to do more work around here. And I could see it in his eyes. And I felt it that it wasn't even that. He totally stepped up. Um, and that kind of that kind of mirrors how revival is, you know, like a lot of our our customers, I mean, they're friends. You know what I mean? It's like right, 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 Jake, right. Jake doesn't mm-hmm. work for me. You know, he's not my manager. You know, it's like we're actually friends first. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of revival success. It's like we're actually friends with most of our clients and customers more than we are like, oh yeah, here's a drum head. Um, and you feel that. And that's why um, I think other shops uh, try to emulate what we do. And I, I let them know, like, you know, it's so important to have people like Jake around. I think it's a rarity. So, um, so yeah, that, that's what happened there. So, um, and at that point, um, there was never a question of revival ever going away. I, I really have to make that clear because the guys wouldn't let that happen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They even if it's like, let's close it up and sell everything. There'd be there'd be no way because um, as much as it's you know on paper my shop, it's all of ours. So and I would I would never let myself make a decision like so important like that under the. Uh, under the, the, the headspace that I was in. I was sure. in no, no position to make a decision that drastic, but it never even came up. You know, it, the thing that broke my heart was, you know, we had to like implement a system of tracking every dollar that came in that, that stuff like that broke my heart. And, um, but I went and seen a therapist, which was great. And, uh, and because of that is how I discovered stoicism. So, that's why I wanted to bring that up. I was very hesitant about uh, about bringing that part up, but I think it's really crucial that people know that um, the truth about it, and that I wasn't just tired. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Dude, go take a nap. Go on vacation. Yeah, man. yeah. yeah. Drink some coffee. Um, man up. Come on. Like, come on. You live in Portland, but I think right. I think it was. I think. Um, to see the whole story and the, mm-hmm. and and how beautiful the result is, I, I think is 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 extremely crucial. Sure. That it wasn't that it didn't just come out of because I was bored, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like right. that I wanted to do something. And uh, it's you know, and how I operate is um, out of necessity, um, and I needed to find something that would prepare me. So I would never, ever get knocked down like that again, either right. it be, you know, now I feel like I have enough armor to penetrate 
or not to be penetrated. You know what I mean? Like to go, oh, that's cool. That's a bummer that happened. And then just move on. Um, so, so that's, that's the beautiful, I think the result is, you know, the stoic drummer and me discovering stoicism. So the new Sonar SQ1s, yeah, they're sick. They're made out of birch, and the reason why they made them out of birch is because birch has a balanced low, mid, and high range, so they sound great in the studio, and they also sound great live. They also have a sound sustainer system. It's a new mounting hardware, and it's rubber on metal, and what that does is it completely separates the mounting hardware from the wooden shell, so you're going to get an amazing tonal quality out of these drums. They actually got that from the automotive industry. That's where they learned about this technology. Not only that, I'm a car lover, so this is super cool to me. The colors and style of legendary car classics were the inspiration for the color selection of the SQ1. So there are four matte lacquer finishes that you can choose from. So not only do they sound good, they also look good too. Check them out by going to sonar.com. I appreciate the fact that that you talk about how you started to navigate these waters, going to see a therapist. I mean, like two, well, probably longer than that, maybe three years ago. I was in when I was living on the East Coast. Uh, same deal. Like, I guess I was just sort of figuring out what was going on with Drummer's Resource. I'm working from home all day. I was in, you know, I I you know had moved there not to, uh, uh, or I'd moved there kind of recently. I didn't have a huge network there. Being home every day, I started to felt like I was kind of going crazy a little bit and went to a therapist for a while. And it's like someone that you can, if you have someone that you can sit down and talk to that has an unbiased decision or, or, uh, opinion about what you're talking about. Like, I can't go talk to my wife about it because she's like, well, you should, you know, do the best thing that for our family or whatever it is and not to her detriment, but, uh, but so going going to talk to someone i think is is i think a lot of times people see it as a sign of weakness and i think it is the complete opposite i think it's a sign of self-awareness i think it is a sign of maturity openness acceptance to be able to say look i just need to go talk to someone about this so just as an aside if there's anyone out there that is listening to this and they feel like they need to go talk to someone you should you should definitely go talk to someone um, so that is my rant about that, but moving on to, to the stoicism before we get into it, talk about, or explain what stoicism is for people who don't understand the, the basic concept and principles of stoicism. Okay. Yeah. And just for the record, like I am not an expert in stoicism, you know, mm-hmm. just, I, I never went to college. I never studied it in college. Um, I don't have a master's degree in philosophy or anything like that. So this is just a, um, um, something that I discovered. So please uh, go and research it, you know, and dive into it yourself. But I'd be more than happy to give you, you know, kind of the, the 101 from what I've, you know, gathered from it. So let's do it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's actually it's it's really it's a practical philosophy that started, you know, 2000 years ago. Um you know, Zeno, Seneca, Marcus Aurelius, those are some of the original Stoics. And their, you know, their idea, their, I think, uh, philosophy was just living a good life and how to live a good life. So, and it's, when you really start looking into it, it wasn't anything like, like, mind-blowing or groundbreaking it was pretty 101 stuff like i don't know like uh like focus on what you can control that's a i think you know part of it Uh, Mm -hmm. be a good person manage your emotions that's huge um and and it's like even like trying to think like some of the basic quotes are pretty straight ahead like you have the power over your mind that's what marcus aurelius would say you know it's like just things like that it's like um, you suffer more in imagination than in reality. You know, that's mm-hmm. like the Seneca, you know what I mean? Like, so they, that's it. And there are some virtues, you know, that, that they, they based it on. Um, one of them is, is wisdom. Second one is justice. Third would be courage, you know, fortitude. And then the fourth essentially is like temperance, uh, temperance, 
and self-discipline, which is all really great, but very, I don't know, kind of common sense also. Right. So hopefully I answered it a little bit. So Yeah. Yeah. And the uh, the idea of of like understanding that there is good and bad in your life and you have to deal with both. And like you said, the self-discipline aspect of it, like be strict on yourself, but forgive yourself. Be, you know, be sort of the, the model of yourself that you see sort of, you know, in your, in your brain, you know, the person that you think you could be, you could be that person if you are willing to take the proper steps to be that person. Or, uh, you know, one of the ideas that, uh, that oh man, I just I totally lost my train of thought when you were talking about uh, uh, we were talking about discipline and it, man, it just went right out the window. No problem. There yeah. it went. I just watched it <laughs> fly right out the window. Uh, but just kind of like yeah, that self discipline of when you know as uh, you know as intense as this is, okay, um, you know one of the practices is you know imagining worst case scenarios. So Mm -hmm. to sit there and meditate and think about what your life would be like if your wife was no longer there or if your son was no longer there. Um, And that, you know, like knowing that death happens, you know, and being ready for it, I I think is a healthy thing. And it makes you appreciate kind of so much more Mm -hmm. and makes you feel so much, you know, grateful for you know, me having revival, you know, cause I've imagined my life without revival and, you know, and it's like, Oh, that's, that's a bummer, but it's, I'm not going to be devastated. You know what I mean? And I appreciate it when it's, you know, we're celebrating our 10th year. That's what it is. I think when it, when you really, it comes down to it, it's, um, what the result is, is grateful and being appreciative for, and being present and, Maybe, you know, you know, when someone, you know, cuts you off, maybe you have a little more patience and just be mm-hmm. like, that's cool. I'm not going to give them, you know, it, it's, it's one thing to go like, that's lame, own it, and then just let it go. So right. it's just like, um, I held on to so much stuff before I discovered stoicism. Um, and I still work on it. Like, and this is what's so great. It's like, it's a, literally a practical philosophy that you could utilize every day and i have and it's Mm -hmm. because of it it's made me hands down a better husband a better father a better friend a better business owner a better drummer it's uh um and i i really i really feel that it's uh it's a a good thing you know what i mean and it's 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 not it's not religious you know and Mm -hmm. and but when i discovered it i came across it I felt like this is must. This is how like religious people must feel about the Bible and stuff. Because I feel like I can go and you know and check out the old you know mantras and the meditations and get through something, mm-hmm. you know. So um, and just like a lot of things in my life, I became very dedicated and obsessed with this philosophy when I when I discovered it because it so spoke to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I hope everyone would have something like this in their life, even if it's not stoicism, but something like it. Right. And as you said, it's not, it's not religious by any means. And it's, I look at it sort of just a blueprint for life. Like, and, and you said it best. It's a, it's a blueprint of, you know, how to live, how to live, uh, how to be a good person. Right. Oh, the mm-hmm. thing that I was going to say before too, they, they talk about, it's funny. Like if you read Marcus Aurelius or, you know, or, um, uh, uh, why can't I think of the other guy's name? Epictetus. Um, uh, I wasn't going to say Epictetus, but okay. but either way, um, as you're but as you're reading through it, there a lot of the letters that they wrote deal with things that we deal with now, and these were written thousands of years ago. And you're reading it, thinking, how did they know that there was going to be this issue? And it's like, you know what? All of these issues are thousands of years old. All of this comparison, jealousy, you know, uh, fear of fear of dying, being upset with your current situation, all of these things that that we deal with on a day to day basis inside and outside of the drumming world, uh, you know, happen then, too. And you read it and it's like, oh, these guys had it figured out. <laughs> yeah. You know, absolutely. it's not as it's not as important as you think it is. And <laughs> 
it's as important as you think it is all at the same time. It reminds me of uh, what is it? So Ryan Holiday came out with that coin, that Memento Mori coin. Oh, yeah. Basically, I, it, what's I have one. I'm sorry. Do you? Oh, yeah. It's in, yeah. My, it's in my pocket right now. Oh, yeah. So Memento Mori means remember that you're going to die, right? Mm-hmm. So it sounds morbid, though. But then when you think about it, it's like, oh, remember that you're going to die so that you also remember to maximize your life every single day that you're here and that you are, you know, you, as cheesy as it sounds, living your best life. Yeah, and I totally agree. And I think it, it frees you. There's so much freedom in that. Um, and it it reminds you how vulnerable you are and how, you know, you need to, to kind of be in the moment as much as possible because all the great moments add up to, you know, something that ends up being really, really cool. You know, your quality of attention, you know, and how we feel. And it's just like really having, I don't know, just being more, having more care and being just just thoughtful and clear and greater appreciation for not only every day, but kind of, you know, every moment as much as you can. It's really it's a really special thing. And that's why my solo record that I just put out, it's called the art of slowness. Cause I'm really, like I'm really embracing walking softer and trying to listen more and, um, having less things in my day, less distractions and truly only doing what I want to do. Um, I think we owe it to ourselves as, as creatives, you know, as drummers, as, you know, as humans to be, as true as possible and come out of uh, truth and walk with light. And because, I mean, I bow like every morning to the creative force that's in me. And I Mm -hmm. think because I have those reminders and I've slowed my life down that I can really enjoy, you know, and being really connected with people, not just because I own a drum shop or because I play in this band or, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I make these really, I think really true connections um, because those relationships really, really do matter to me. So mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's a good thing to know that we could die right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. I know it's morbid, but it's, I think it's cool. I think it's the complete opposite of morbid though. You know, and there's been multiple times where, you know, my wife and I will be debating something, not debating something, but whether or not we want to do something or, you know, even moving to California and all that. And and I say it all the time. I'm like, we're going to fucking die. So like at the end of the day, as, as weird as it sounds, I'm like, it doesn't really matter. It really doesn't matter. So then we should make it matter if that makes any sense at all. You know, like, like we're not, when we're 90, we're not going to be like, oh, we never, we shouldn't have moved to California for a year. It ruined everything, you know, or whatever it is. And I think that thinking of thinking that way uh, is freeing for sure, as you said. Um, so everyone is on their own path. You know what I mean? Everyone's on their own trip. I'm sorry to interrupt. And then, no, this is about you, you not me. You have to create a life that's worth living that and that's it. And however that pans out or whatever you need to do to make that happen, I think it's, there are no rules, man, speechless. I mean, that's, that sums everything up that totally, that's it. Like you, you said it. I mean, I don't know what else to say. I really, I really, I don't, I'm like, I was listening to you and I was like, well, we can just end. We can stop right now. We're good. Uh, Um, so talk about the book. So, so the idea, what makes this book different than, than most, I mean, obviously it's tailored towards drummers, but tell me about the, what sparked the idea to write it and, and what went into it and what people can expect when they read it. Well, what sparked it was, so I was starting to implement these practices in my daily life, you know, driving to the store, um, you know, being at the shop, you know, um, you know, being around my family and I'm like, man, this is really working out really great. What this is, this is really cool. So I said, man, this is working with that aspect of, of my life. I should start implying, you know, applying some of this to, um, to drumming and mm-hmm. in my musical situations. And when I started to do that, I thought I was a content drummer 
before because I lead my own band. I do solo stuff. No one really tells me what to do. I mean, I set my musical life up where it's pretty great, you know, and I have an incredible band that I trust and love. And so I, like I said, I thought, I mean, I was pretty content, but when I started to apply um, some of these little mantras that I would go to and go, I'm going to think of this when I get to the rehearsal room, you know, and, and even by myself, like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to work on this um, when I get to the room. So I started to just write down in my notebook because, you know, part of, the exercises are that, um, that I journal and write every day. So I would just write out these exercises. Um, they weren't notes, you know, per se quarter notes and all that. It was just like, Oh, let me, uh, uh, let me just go in and be super focused on, on this mantra. And I was really blown away on how happy I, I was. You know what I mean? It was just like, Oh shit. I feel like I'm getting back to the core of why I started drumming in the first place was that real true love. And there was like this, this really cool light that I would feel and it would became just another way of meditating for me, you know, getting behind Mm -hmm. the kit or behind the vibes that I hadn't felt in a long time. I thought I was there, but it was really, uh, uh, it was a really beautiful uh, lightning moment for me when I was sitting in my side yard and I said, I said, it was great. I had, you know, I had my, I had my books out. I had my journal out and my notebooks and a bunch of papers around and I have a side yard and it's under some really, really beautiful birch trees. And, and it was right there in front of me. I said, and I still have the notebook uh, up in my office and, and it said, drumming plus stoicism equals the stoic drummer. And so I started to go through and that's, that's the idea. That's how the idea kind of presented itself. It wasn't like, right. it was kind of right there. Like, like it couldn't have been more obvious, you know? And mm-hmm. so I started to go through all the meditations, you know, and going, Oh man, if this was turned to look at it at the POV of the drummer, and this could be really cool, you know what I mean, to, to think about while I'm playing. And so I, there we go. I'll use the word again. I was obsessed. I would, I would write down uh, at least 20 to 40 of these a day. I would go through, I would get up in the morning and go through it. And, um, and then at, you know, I was at about maybe, I don't know, 200 or so. And that's when I, I said that, I was going to put out this, this book. I was going to make the book. And, uh, and it was how I felt about drumming. It's how I felt about, you know, starting 1939 ensemble. It's how I felt about revival. I had this, I have to do this. I know this is going to cost thousands of dollars to do, mm-hmm. but I have to do it. And my wife being as cool as she is, I said, <laughs> I said, babe, I would think I would really like to, to put this book out. And she's like, of course. Yeah, yeah, that, that sounds great. And, of course, I don't just put out a paperback. I have to put out, like, the, you know, yeah. I have never put out a book before. You know, it's got to be hardcover with the ribbon. And it was everything that I wanted because I just wanted it to be just this cool little piece that um, that I thought was cool and simple. So, yeah, so that's kind of how it was birthed. And so me being me, I just did it myself. You know, I found a really great, um, you know, uh, bookmaker in uh, Centralia, which is a few hours from Portland. The mm-hmm. binding's done here in Portland. So, you know, I, the initial run was 250 because it was just the best price point. And we sold out of those in like, I think it was like 10 days. It's insane. Got yeah. I, and uh, uh, I know I'm fast forwarding it, but I, I want to let you know like that that's what I think what happens as a result of just being totally true to yourself. Cause I had those conversations walking in the woods going, who are you to put out a book? Dude, you, you didn't even, you know, you didn't even go to 
college. Like, who, right. how dare you put that, uh, to think you could do that. So it was nice because I quieted that voice down. And, um, yeah, I just proceeded, you know, with that. So, and it's been really great, you know, and I love that my peers dig it and that it's, you know, kind of showing another aspect of, of drumming um, to answer. I think another part of your question is how it differs that, you know, it's, I think, getting to in a, a reminder of, of why we play. And when I would get an email from someone saying that they take the solo drummer to a gig and read out of it before they play, blows my mind. Or awesome. a teacher, you know, I just saw on Instagram, which is beautiful. He, they read a, you know, a quote out of the book and then they play for five minutes. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. this is gone. Um, a lot farther, just like a lot of things in my life from even my career went a lot farther than I could have ever dreamed about. And same with revival. Um, <laughs> it's gone, you know what I mean? It's been really amazing and it went way past where I thought it would. And the same thing with, uh, the stoic drummer, because, you know, this is my third interview that I've done specifically for the book. And, um, I love that people are discovering it. You know, we don't, I don't buy ads and I don't have a publicist. It's very organic how the kind of word is spreading. Obviously I put it on my Instagram, you know, and the guys, Mm -hmm. you know, do it at the shop, which I appreciate. Um, But I'm really proud of it. I'm I'm truly, truly proud of it. Um, And I, unlike a record where you always kind of listen to it and you just go, Oh man, I should have did that there. I should have done this. With the Stoic Drummer, it's none of that. Like, I'm so proud of it. And I, I just love it that um, that it's kind of taken off how it has. And, and it's just one more thing for Ryder, my son, to know about his father when I'm not here. Yeah. Like, oh, that's cool. My dad put out this book that some drummers liked. So, um, And you just have to listen to that voice and and be so true to it. So when I talk about dedication and being devoted, I'm probably the most selfish that I've ever been in my entire life because I really, truly do things that will nurture me. So but with that, the results have been so, so great because I'm able to take time and, and talk with you and, and be vulnerable and talk about hard things and you know, talk about victories and fails and always questioning and just kind of like, I don't know. I think, I think this is cool. And I, I just feel now is the time that this is really important to, to speak your truth and because you owe it to yourself, you Mm -hmm. know, like the platform that you're on, the platform that I'm on with revival is that the trust is there. So that's why I love you know, our drumming community because they trust me and I would never mess with that. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm able to have a shop that is like Revival and, you know, have a book out like The Stoic Drummer and put out music like my solo stuff and 39 Ensemble because it all comes from, you know, authenticity. And when that happens, you, you can't get messed with. Like, you can't mess with revival. I mean, and I'm not being arrogant, but it's like, what can you possibly say that could even make me think twice about what I've done? And um, and same thing with the book. You know what I mean? It's like, because it doesn't matter at that point. Like, hey, dude, your book is horrible. Like, oh, man, that's a bummer. I'm sorry you didn't dig it. You know what I mean? It's like, how right. nice is that? And it's not arrogance. It's like... That's cool. It's for some people and it isn't for some. But, right. but because we're on these platforms, we're obligated to be as true as possible. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I mean, that's why they make Coke and that's why they make Pepsi, right? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. It's like, you know what, man? Right. I'm thinking, I'm thinking I, man, I'm probably one of your most boring guests. And I'm not saying I'm the. What are you but, talking about? Man, because I was listening to some of them and. They have like these action-packed careers, you know. What I mean, they're like touring the world, and they're like, yeah, I'm all. So I guess my 
my point of being is like, thank you again for having me on, on your show. You know what I mean? Because, um, yeah, it's like, we're talking about stuff that isn't about gear or, you know what I mean? About necessarily drumming careers. So yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Well, (laughs) a couple things. One, I, I I disagree that you are the most boring person that I've had on the podcast. Uh, far from it. Two, we don't really talk about gear anyway. Uh, we never like I never really get into that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, you're right. You're totally right. And yeah. and this stuff is beyond important for the drumming community. You can go anywhere and learn how to play a paradiddle. You can go anywhere to you know figure out how to play you know some lick from from you know whatever. But this. It goes back to what you and I were talking about off air about the idea that the drumming community is so strong, but there is a little bit of toxicity going on. And I mean, I think it's in every industry, but we see it because we're in the drumming community. There's a little bit of like this toxicity and sort of like comparison, uh, you know, imposter syndrome, sort of not thinking that you're, you're good enough to compete with other people who are out there and and I've been very vocal about this before. A lot of the stuff that we see online is bullshit and it's everyone's highlight reel and it's Hollywood fakeness. And this to me is way more important. Like I don't care if less people listen to this podcast because we're, we sit here and have an open vulnerable conversation that can, if it changes one person's life, then that's cool with me. So I don't need to have, you know, 8 million people listening to this podcast. I'm like, if one person listens to it and something it sparks something that changes mission complete so uh so i appreciate this conversation i know the audience appreciates this conversation and the the thing that i've always wanted to do with this podcast is talk about things that we go through in our daily lives and talk about it through the lens of a drummer so that everyone who's listening can relate and that's what we're doing and that's the mission and that's what it's always been and we're not going to stop. So like, that's it. So you fit that criteria 1000% and I am beyond honored and, and very, very lucky to have you on this show. All right. Um, thanks for that, Nick. That's cool. Yeah. Cause I'm like sitting here going, man, Hmm. Which we were talking about work fighting stuff. It's so no. serious. Yeah. Sometimes it's really hard to be my friend because I go, I can go so serious so quick. So yeah. But um, I, uh, it's life, man. I think that I, I'm glad that we're talking about it. Uh, so where can people go to get two things? One, uh, I want to get, I'm going to get two copies from you. Uh, I want to keep one for myself and then I'm going to give, I'm going to give one to someone, uh, one of the audience members. I don't know how I'm going to pick that person yet, but, uh, I, at random, I will, I will, uh, pick someone that I'll send the book to them. Um, and then two, where can people go if they want to purchase a copy themselves? Well, thank you for that, and your support is, you know, is is fantastic, and I of course. really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, you can get the book at a couple different places. You can get it on my website, uh, josemadelis.com. Just click on it, and you can get it there. And you can also uh, obviously get it at Revival Drum Shop. Um, you know, you get it online there also, and in the shop. And oh, also um, uh, Nelson Drum Com- uh, Drum Shop down in Nashville. Uh, they started carrying it, which I'm super oh, cool. flattered about. Yeah. Um, Pro Drum in Hollywood, they have it. Um, so that's cool. And then uh, Wood and Weather, those guys have it on the East Coast. And also uh, Steve Maxwell, they have it. So awesome. yeah, they were kind enough to ask for some copies. So it's, yeah, it's like the, yeah, the support has been, been really, really, really mind blowing and, and, really wonderful i'm truly truly grateful and well deserved and also you know people should definitely go to revival drum shop you're in portland go in there and buy some drums buy the book while you're in there so revival (laughs) drum shop Uh, or just like just buy a kit and then pick up the book you know pick up the book while you're there too all right that's that's great hey uh, buy two buy buy two kits you know whatever uh (laughs) and and uh, and the book is called The Stoic Drummer, and 
I can't wait to share this book with someone and I can't wait to pick up a copy myself. Uh, I admittedly have not read it yet. I've been, I wanted to read it for a while. I've been reading, uh, you know, books about stoicism for a long time with Marcus Aurelius and, and Epictetus and, and a bunch of other ones, Ryan Holiday. Um, so I'm excited to get this because I, it blends two worlds for me. Uh, so I'm excited about that. And I want to, th- one, I want to congratulate you on all the stuff that you've done, your career in playing, the the drum shop, which is not easy to do because most businesses fail within the first five years, putting out a book because everyone says they're going to write a book and most people don't end up doing it. So I like when you say that you're going to do something, you do it. So congratulations on all that. And I appreciate the message that you are putting out into the world with this book. So thank you for that. And thank you for being part of this podcast. Oh, very kind. And thanks for having me. Of course. Anytime. Jose, thanks again, man. And enjoy the rest of your day. You too, brother. Thank you. That was Jose Medellas. I hope you dug that conversation. For me, that was a really, really good conversation that I've been wanting to have for a long time. So super stoked that I got him on here. And you can pick up his book or learn more about him. Go to josemedellas.com, J-O-S-E-M-E-D-E-L-E-S.com, or check out Revival Drum Shop. They're in Portland, Oregon. And I recommend grabbing a copy of the book or any of the other Stoic books that we that we talk about in this conversation. And if you dig this episode or you dig any of the other episodes, do me a favor. Leave a rating or a review on iTunes. That helps us out so much. It's free for you. And that's a little way that I can uh, guilt you into paying me back for the free episodes. But in all honesty, it helps the podcast show up higher in the search results and lets people know that they should be listening to this podcast. So please do that. I would appreciate it. And until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll be talking to you soon. Peace.